Welcome to Ethos. My name's Luke. I'm the tech director here. I love your shirt, Brendan. I love your shirt. Um, I'm the tech director here at the uh, Hillsborough Village campus. Uh, I'm also on the pastoral staff, a member of the teaching team. So it's been about eight weeks, so it's my turn in the rotation. So I'm um, glad you're here. Um, we've been in a series about prayer, so we're going to continue into that. Uh, we've been talking the last couple weeks about intercessional prayer. Um, it's been a really cool thing. I think the week before last, we had a really just awesome experience with Jen Barnett, and then Gentry really took it to round two. So we've been talking about prayer is relational, how it's a relationship with God. We've been talking about praying open-handedly to the Lord, about not only being willing to give him whatever he wants, but be willing for us to receive anything that he gives us. So that's what we're going to continue talking about today. We're going to um, use 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. That's going to be the backdrop of our setting. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and crack that open. And if you don't, um, it'll be on the screen behind me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Um, while you guys are getting there, um, what we're going to do this day, today on Sunday, is I'm going to share my testimony with you. And I'm going to share my testimony and how I process prayer with God and in my relationship with him. So this is going to be a little bit of a different thing than we've done before. Um, so that's what we're going to do. It's going to be a sharing of a testimony and me processing prayer in my relationship with God. Um, my 11-year-old son, Leo, is right down here. And he asked me this week, he was like, hey, what are you going to preach on on Sunday? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of preaching, but I'm going, to, I'm going to share my testimony with the church. And he said, you're going to share your testimony with the church? I said, yeah. And he goes, at the pulpit with everyone? I said, yeah. And he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> I said, don't worry. I'll give him the PG-13 version. So that's the version that, that we'll get today. Um, so let's go ahead and read this scripture, and, and let's go ahead and get into this. It should be on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. Um, Paul writes, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love that scripture. It is so fantastic. Quick show of hands. Anybody think that's like impossible? Rejoicing always? P praying without ceasing? Anybody else go like, yes, trial, tribulation, sweet, bring it on. Pray Without ceasing, well, how, how, how many times do you guys pray? I pray before my feet hit the morning. I pray before I go to bed every night. Now let me down to sleep. Pray, Lord, I'm so to keep. If I die before I wake, pray, Lord, I'm so to take. How about you? I pray 50, 60 times a day. What? It seems impossible. It took me 40 years to understand this scripture. And quite candidly, I don't fully understand it, but I have a way better grasp of it now, and it's definitely in the palm of my hand. So I'm going to share those 40 years with you guys about coming to understand this scripture and processing prayer through my testimony of how Christ invited me into the kingdom. So I'm 43 years old. I know. You're like, looks like 30. Thank you. <laughs> For another month anyway, till I turn 44. For 40 years of my life, I was hot and cold with God, in and out of the church. Follow God, don't follow God. In the word, out of the word, for 40 years. 
I was born and raised in the church, baptized at a young age, went to vacation Bible school, right? Attended youth group, went to missional trips, the whole shebang-a-bang. Even had the answers to the test, right? Are you saved? Yes. How do you know? Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Are you sure? Yes. Is there any other way other than Christ? No. Good to go. Got it. So that was me for 13 years. And then when I was about 13, my parents got divorced. Now that's okay, man. That's all right. I love my parents and I have two amazing step-parents that I'm super blessed by. Some of you may even know my stepfather, Randy. A couple months in here ago, I shared his, his uh, salvation story. He's my best friend, man. That's who I bounce everything off of. So that's okay. But when the home broke up, I stopped going to church. I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped talking to God. And I was not congregating with his people or really even speaking with him. And then when I was about 22, something tragic happened. You guys remember 9-11? It's tough for a 22-year-old young man. It was really weird. It was weird. None of us knew what we were going. We didn't know what was going on. There was a lot of fear. Plane hit the tower. Another plane hit the tower. There's another one coming. I remember that day. They, there was planes everywhere, and we're like, so it really scared me, man. So I got back in the church. I, I got back in. I called my grandfather. I was like, I need to be, be back with the people of God. I need to be in the Word. I need to be in relationship with God. So I was back in the church for about nine years. Um, then after that, when I was about 32, I got married. I started a family, settled down in New Jersey. Shout out Hoboken. And my, who said, yeah, Hoboken. Real? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Steven. Um, and my career was peaking, man. I mean, I was on top of the world. So some of you may speak this language. I was in live entertainment for over 40 years. I did that from the time I was 19 till I was almost 40 or 41. Live entertainment, live music. Um, I'm not going to name drop and do any of that, but let me tell you, I traveled the world, planes, trains, automobiles, man. I was with the A party. You would know every name if I dropped it with you, and I did that for decades. Um, I was at the peak of it, man. I mean, it was incredible, dude. I mean, living the life. Um, super successful. Um, had more money than I knew what to do with. I never checked my bank account. There was never any need to. It was always an abundance there ton of pride and a huge drug and alcohol problem, fueled by drugs and alcohol. That was my life. People were like, Luke, man, you got it all. You're a cool Christian, you know, you're in a church, you got Jesus tattoos. How is it? I'm like, man, the Lord's really blessed me, man. He's just blessed me. And little did I know that the Lord was really about to bless me. In 2019, the Lord started to peel me like a banana. Does anybody besides my friend, Will Hunter, love bananas? I love bananas, which is kind of weird if you really think about it. Bananas don't even really taste like anything. They're good, right? No? no? Really? They don't even really taste like anything. I love bananas. But what the Lord started doing is he started peeling me like a banana. He literally would peel away the outer protective shell that is sometimes bruised and discolored. And then you get to this soft, white inner core. And that's what started happening. 
my marriage fell apart. I lost my marriage. It had been in shambles for years, but it was finally sealed by a man's piece of paper that says divorce in 2019. I lost my job. I'd never experienced being fired before. I was on an artist roster that simply just got pulled out from underneath me. I got caught up in the resizing game. We're going to take this large three, six-figure salary, we're going to get rid of the guy, and then we're going to divide it amongst these four other younger folks. It's okay. I just never experienced that before. I lost all my money. I lost all my money. I lost my house. I had this big, huge mansion in Green Hills. Lost it. And uh, I kind of lost my mind. I really did. I went from this outwardly self-confident, upright, strutting man to an inwardly dark and uncertain human being. I was lost. I really didn't know where I was. I was like a banana that had been peeled. You could have flicked me and it would have broken half. No problem. And then came January 26th, 2020, the day Kobe Bryant died. I'm a huge Lakers fan. Um, I was back in church for about a year at this point. My son Leo and I were going to the 11 a.m. gatherings at Cannery. And for a while, for that year, our routine was this. We'd sleep in. We'd go to the 11 a.m. We'd, after the gathering, go grab lunch, probably Sonic and Brentwood. And then we'd go to the Brentwood Skate Center, and we'd roller skate. That was our routine. And that day was like no other different, man. We went there, and it was Leo and his buddies, Jack and Ryan, not Jack Ryan, but Jack and Ryan. And we walked out of the skate center, and I looked at my phone, and I'm like, dude, Kobe Bryant died. Kobe Bryant died. Oh my gosh, Kobe Bryant died. And then I just started thinking like, I wonder if he was ready. I wonder if he was ready. And then I started thinking, I wonder where he is now. I wonder where Kobe Bryant is now. And then the rest of the afternoon and the evening turned into, I wonder if I'm ready. I wonder if I am ready. And when my number's called, where will I be? Where will I be? Went to sleep, woke up the next morning, January 27th, 2020. It's the day I was born again. It was a Monday. Woke up, fed Leo breakfast, got him dressed, got him on the bus, off you go to school. I come back in, I sit down, no wife, no job, very, very little money. And I'm looking at this huge house that I have that's about to not be mine anymore. And dude, that's when it happened, man. I felt the Holy Spirit come into the room. I didn't have a vision. I didn't hear anything audibly. I just felt the presence, man. And I felt him. It's a he. It's not an it. It's a he. The Holy Spirit, he came into the room. And I'm like, what is this? What's going on? And all of a sudden, I heard him say, follow me. I heard him say very clearly in the silence of my heart, he said, I want you, I want all of you, and I want it right now. And that's what it sounded like. I could hear like the HVAC going, what's going on? 
And then I hear it again, man. He just says, dude, I want you. I want all of you, and I want it right now. I went into my room. (laughs) I fell down to my knees. I lifted my head. I lifted my hands. God gave us tears. I have no problem. I cry all the time. Never like that, man. I've never uncontrollably wept like that. And I just cried out like, are you ever going to forgive me? (laughs) Are you ever going to forgive me for these decades of false testimony? In fact, not even that, like, am I too late? (laughs) Am I too late? And I just feel this warm, encompassing spirit. And he says, dude, I love you. You're mine. You belong to me. You're mine. It was a game changer. It was a life changer. I promise you, I felt this happen. The best way I can describe it is like a horizontal laser beam that started at my head and it worked its way down. I could feel the change happening. My brain changed. Call it political views, call it social stances, call it whatever you want. I didn't fully understand this thing, not that I do now, but I got a better grasp on it. I started to think biblically. I no longer felt the same about I did about things I thought before. My mind changed. My eyes changed. What I watched on my computer, what I watched on my television screen changed. I now had an issue and I made sure I wanted to filter what went in the lamp of the body. My ears changed. I made a career off touring with heavy metal and rock and roll acts. All of a sudden, this depressive, evil, and dark message that was coming into my ears and making me money for years, now all of a sudden, I wanted to hear the word of God. I'm like, I don't want to listen to that. I love the beats. I love the tonality. But the message, I was like, I want God's word. Dude, my mouth changed. I used to cuss like a sailor. I got all y'all beat, man. I couldn't get one word out, one sentence out, dude. No longer wanting to cuss. I now had a problem with lying and gossiping. It was weird. It was weird. My heart changed, man. I'm from New Jersey, dude. We road rage. You roll with the pack or you get left behind, man. Now I find myself driving on 440. Some dude cut me off on both sides. And I'm like, yeah, come on over, bud. We got rooms. Come on in. Yeah, you too. Slowing down cars like, hey, I'm like, come on over, bud. We got you. My hands changed. If it didn't glorify God, what I did with my hands, I wasn't doing it. My legs changed. I no longer walked into the establishments that I used to go into. Born again. Everything changed. Then we got to about a month later in February 23 of the year 2020. And what was happening was it was the awakened baptism night at Cannery. Because at Ethos, we exist to what? Love God, love people, awaken a movement. So what we were doing in February, 28 days, we were reading through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter in the 28 days, 28 days of fastings from sunup to sundown or however you preferred it. And it was capped off by a night of baptisms. So because I was newly born again, I had started signing up for every volunteer position I could get my hands on. And my homeboy, Brooks Loki, a good friend of mine, fellow Ethos staff member, calls me up and he says, hey, man, I noticed you volunteered for the baptistry setup. You want to you help set up the baptistry? I'm like, yes, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Great. Come down at 630. We'll set it up. You can scram for 90 minutes and come back. So I was like, cool. So I come down to Cannery at like 6, six o'clock, I think. 
set up, volunteer for the baptistry. And I'm like, what time do we come back? He said, be back in 90 minutes, you know? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hang out. I'm going to hang out for the service. Now, I'd been baptized. I've got my baptism certificate from whenever I was nine or 10 years old, you know? And dude, I'm sitting in the cannery and, and all of a sudden, like after these seven or eight or nine people that were scheduled to get baptized, get baptized. And then the great Dave Clayton gets on the mic and he, he gives the invitation. He's like, if anybody else wants to get baptized, come on down. We're here. We'll stay till midnight, whatever it'll be. I see these people with their hands like singing and praising and this and that. And then all of a sudden, I just feel the Holy Spirit like tell me, go go. I'm like, oh, what's going on, man? You know? So I would literally step into the aisle, like literally from where you are, I'd step in the aisle to come forward and I would hit the satanic wall. I was like, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. It was a very weird Galatians 5 moment where it was like the spirit was warring against the flesh, right? And so after that, I'd hear the Holy Spirit say to me, you better go let your light shine before men. If you don't confess me amongst people, I won't confess you amongst my Father who's in heaven. So I'd go into the aisle, and you think Satan doesn't exist in church. He does. He's very comfortable in church. I hit that brick wall. Dude, and my conscience, Satan, whatever it was, is like, we're not doing that. We're too embarrassed. We're too embarrassed. You've been baptized. You are already saved, right? So I step back in, and finally one last Holy Spirit is like, you better go on, son. And so I go and I get baptized and the, the water overflows from, from the baptistry, not because of, you know, my, you know, girlish figure, but because it's just tears are streaming. You know what I mean? It's just incredible. And Brooks Loki, who I find in a blue t-shirt and a sea of red t-shirts, we just have a conversation and he, I could just tell by his eyes, he's like, whoa, you know? He could tell the spirit was there. It was incredible. It was incredible. What's up, Brandon Moy? How are you, big brother? Um, and then February, no, that was February. And then, you know what happened after that? Who said that? COVID. Everybody remember that? Global pandemic. Remember COVID? Some people are like, it's still going on. Yeah, it's still going on. But remember, shut down. No work. No gatherings. No large gatherings of people in a confined space. Ladies and gentlemen, my entire professional career, the only job I've ever had was large groups of people in a confined space. That's what live entertainment is. That's what it is. And that's when I realized that my world had been turned upside down. But my salvation had been turned right side up. It was a very weird place to be in. Very weird. I knew God was sovereign. I believed that God was in control and he wasn't out of it. But then I started to process, how do I trust God? How do I trust God? Not only that, but it's like, blessed is the man who trusts in him. I have his word telling me that, right? Psalm 34, verse 8. And then I start to think, how do I even pray to God? How do I pray to God? I'm in this new relationship. Did he hear my old prayers? Did he not hear my old prayers? 
What did I even pray to him? Did I mean it when I pray it? How does that work? How do I pray to God? So by this time, I was starting to experience fruits of the Spirit. I had this uncontrollable hunger for the Word. I, I, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't put it down. If you've ever seen the movie Venom with Tom Hardy, that was me. Dude, I literally was like, I, it was like he, in, in that movie, he just, he eats anything he gets his hands on. He gets this weird look in his eye and he just starts like eating it, you know? And that was me with the word. I, I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't put the Bible down. I would just read it and read it and read it and read it and read it. I also had a desire to be amongst his people. I would call Dave Clayton. I think this was before Dave Clayton got rid of his smart, or before he got rid of his smartphone. I would, I would blow him up. I would text him. I would call him and be like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What about this? I would call Pastor Rick Bradley. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I would call Sam Rabdio. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Joshua Soloway. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Yeah, text me what you got. I had a desire to be around the people. And then I also started to learn how God speaks. How does God speak? I would learn that or I'd learned that God spoke to me through circumstances. Things had to change, man. Things had to change. He, he had to remove certain things in my life so other things could come forward. He, he had to peel that banana so the, the inner core of what was really designed to be for food would be there. Circumstances. He spoke to me through circumstances. He would speak to me through the word. You ever want the direct phone number to God? Here it is. Every time, dude. Every time. Anybody old enough to remember a busy signal? Ain't no busy signals with this. He's always there. I think people do hear God audibly. I've never heard him audibly, but if you want to, just read your Bible out loud. You've heard him audibly speak. I'd see the Bible would start to speak to me like a love letter. And you ever, you ever gone away to like summer camp or church camp when you're a kid, homesick, your parents send you those, those love letters and you're like, oh, yes, it smells like home, you know, and you would read it over and over and over again. You put it under your pillow, read it over and over again. This makes sense. This makes sense. Remember those letters I sent you when you went to camp? Yeah, I thought you got them. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. This is recording. Love letter. It'd read like a love letter. Other times, it would read like an instruction manual. Boring. Droll. Doesn't make sense. In fact, I, I can put this together on my own. We've all done that, right? I don't need this. Start putting everything together. You get 75% done with whatever it is you've ordered on Amazon without the instruction manual. You realized you're on set step 17 and you actually skip step two. You're using screw CC when you should have been using screw K. And what happens? Disassemble, start over with the instruction manual. That's how the Bible would start to speak to me. That's how God would speak to me. He would speak to me through the church. Other members of the body-believing church would speak to me. I know you know what I'm talking about. Somebody will say something to you and be like, bro, I read that scripture today. Really? 
God will speak to to you through your children. He will speak to you. Ooh, Leo has ministered to me, and he didn't even know it. He will speak to you through other members of the body-believing church. You stubbed your toe on the coffee table. What's the body do? The back bends over. The arm reaches down. The hand squeezes the toe. The mouth says, ouch. We all come together for the toe. He would speak through the body-believing church. He would speak to me through prayer. The series we're in in prayer. Gentry has touched on this a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about prayer is relational. Prayer with God is a relationship. It's a relationship, right? How does that work? How do I be in a relationship with God? Well, how am I in a relationship with Patrick or Leo or Brendan? Well, you speak to me. I listen. I ask you questions. You give me answers, and I listen. And then I speak to you. You listen. You ask me questions, and then I give you answers. And then we hang out, and we spend time together. And away we go on our relationship. Some of you I know very well. Some of you I know a little. Some of you I don't know at all. But when you spend time together, and you talk to me and I talk to you, we build a relationship. The Bible says it's a marriage. There's so many people getting married in the church. Dude, it is so awesome. It's so awesome to see people getting married. If I'm married and I only spend one day a week with my spouse, let's say Sunday, maybe it's not even the whole day. Maybe it's only just a couple hours in the morning. And then I don't spend the rest of the week with my spouse, Monday through Saturday. How good of a marriage is that going to be? Maybe I don't even spend time with my spouse in person. I spend it online church, I mean Skype and FaceTime. And then the rest of the week, I make my demands to my spouse. And then I get mad when they don't answer them fast enough. Is that a good marriage? No. That's what God showed me. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. I used to think God was like this cosmic bellboy that would fetch my luggage of requests, you know? And then I understood that God doesn't wait on me. I wait on him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, Jeremiah writes in Lamentations. And sometimes what God would tell me, I did not want to hear at all. Didn't want to hear it. I kind of found out that God usually would give me four answers, usually. Yes. No. Wait or none of the above, which means silence. I'm not saying that's the only answers, but I would find out it was usually yes, no, hang on a minute, or none of the above, silence. I love this quote by Mother Teresa. I've been drilling this to some of my friends the last month. Mother Teresa says this, said this, in the silence of the heart, God speaks If you face God in prayer and silence, God will speak to you. Then you will know that you are nothing. It is only when you realize your nothingness, your emptiness, that God can fill you with himself. Souls of prayer are souls of great silence. 
Those are words of wisdom, boy. Those are words of wisdom. As I processed how to pray or how to have a relationship with God, I began to wrestle with him. I really began to wrestle with God. I began to wrestle with forgiveness, right? My marriage. Why would you allow this to happen, God? Why did the divorce happen? If you're sovereign and, and this is your plan, why did you allow me to get married and then why did you allow it to end in divorce? And will you forgive me for that? You know what he said? He said, dude, you didn't ask my blessing going into this marriage. You didn't seek my counsel going into this. You certainly didn't seek my counsel in the middle of it. And now you're seeking it? He said, dude, I never put my thumbprint of blessing on this marriage. Oh, and by the way, I forgive you. And here's the second greatest gift he's ever given me right here besides my salvation. That's how God works. I didn't deserve that gift, but he gave it to me in a marriage that never had his thumbprint on it. That was mind-blowing, man. My job, I was like, what are we going to do now? How does this work? I've never had any other gig ever. That's been the way I've brought money in. Large groups of people gathered in a space. That's it. How am I going to provide for my son? What am I going to do? God says, whoa, this isn't my final plan for you. It wasn't a new plan. Don't misunderstand me. God didn't say there's a new plan. No, God said, this isn't my final plan for you. I have a plan. You may think it goes like this, but in actuality, it's just kind of going like this. This isn't my final plan for you. Money. I think we can all relate to this, right? What am I going to do for cash flow? What am I going to do for cash flow? I was making bank, and now I was broke. What am I going to do for money? How am I going to pay the bills? I kid you not. Shout it out. How much money did we find on the ground in the year of the year 20, 2020, Leonardo Lowe's? $163. We found $163 throughout 2020 on the ground randomly. Now, I know. We're paying two electric bills with that. I get it. <laughs> we would find money just laying around. It was so weird. I found a dollar at Lipscomb was how it started. Remember, it was in a puddle of water. I'd find a dollar laying here. I dropped Leo off at school one day. There was a $10 bill in the grass. When's the last time you saw a $10 bill? There was a $10 bill in the grass. There was a $20 bill laying. One time we drove up one time in the apartment and there was like seven or $8 wadded up on the parking lot. I put the car in park. Leo, get up, snag that. Can I have it? We're splitting it. There was a $20 bill underneath my windshield wiper one day in a parking lot full of 30 other cars that none of them had that on there. $20 bills don't sneak under the windshield wipers. I found a $100 bill in my front yard one time. It was just a sign, man. It was God saying, I got you. Blessing after blessing after blessing. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Opportunities to gain finances would come. Jobs would come. And what God said is, the plan is your calling in ministry. That's never changed. It's just now, this is how it is. I'm like, okay. I get it, mostly. 
I have this huge problem with um, sudden change, unexpected change. I don't deal with it. I'm such a dude in that aspect. I can't deal with unexpected change. So when we were moving out into the apartment, dude, I advanced that new apartment like a gig, man. Dude, pet friendly, check. School zone, check. Square footage, check. Budget, check, check, check. Movers, check. Date, everything, check. I had it down, man. And then about two or three days before the move date, the leasing office calls me and they go, we have a problem. You can't move into that apartment. So me, I'm like, Mr. America, I'm like, you signed the papers. You're in, you're committed, we signed the papers. There's a problem, you can't move in. Like, what do you mean I can't move in? What do you mean I can't move in? Well, we have these other apartments. They're not really what you signed up for. They're not the same. And they're not in the same location, but why don't you come look at them? Yeah, I will. I'll be right there. And so I get in the car, and I'm driving over. And I'm like, what are we doing now? What are we doing now? And God just says, yo, chill out. Maybe did you ever think that this might be for good? You know, I'm not comparing myself to Joseph, you know, where he says what you intended for evil, God intended for good. But God just says, yo, did you ever think that all things under heaven belong to me. So I just kind of said to myself out loud in the car right over, I'm like, maybe there's something good that's going to come out of this. Dude, I get over the apartment complex. It's where, we, it's where we gather on Tuesdays, Brendan. Now, the new apartment, it's not in the back of the complex. It's in the front of the complex where they really care about the horticulture and the landscaping and keep it all nice and nice for all when the new, um, what is it, new tenants come through. It's right across from the pool. It is literally a newly renovated apartment, 400 square feet larger for the same price. I'm like, it's fine. This will do. (laughs) God's like, chill out. I had this really deep, dark sin in the past that I just couldn't get over. I just couldn't get over it. Um, It was really bad. And I didn't come to God for forgiveness in this moment. I would have this thing behind me kind of like lurking over me, you know, and whispering in my ear that I'm still here. How's God going to ever forgive you for this? It was bad. And God came to me. He came to me. And he said, you know, I forgive you for that, right? You know, I forgive you for that. And not only do I forgive you, I forget it. There's a couple things God cannot do. And one thing he can't do is he can't see your sin through that blood of Christ. He cannot see your sin through the blood of Christ. I will forgive you their transgressions and I will remember them what? No more. See, God forgives and he forgets, not us. It really started to teach me in that moment as I was wrestling, God would say, Doubt looks backwards. Worry looks around. And faith looks forward. Doubt looks backwards. Worry looks around. And faith looks forward. You see, without the trials and the tribulation and the loss, I didn't really recognize the victory, the glory, and the gain. Sometimes we only really know the mountaintop by the valleys. You know, it's the sunlight that actually casts the shadow. Weird. So 
Should I accept only the good things of God and never the adversity, as Job says? Or should I pray open-handedly, as Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, and say, God, take whatever you want. Take whatever you want, and I'm willing to receive whatever you give me. God doesn't exist to make me happy. I exist to make him happy, and that makes me happy. Look at what Jesus did in whom it pleased. The writer of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. We live in a fallen world with fallen people. But we're redeemed. We're a new creation. And not only redeemed in a new creation, but we are invited. It is an invitation, not a command. It's not forced. It's an invitation. All you got to do is RSVP. It's an invitation, and we are invited into a relationship with him. And that relationship starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. So when Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, rejoice always. New perspective, man. I got so much to be thankful for. I commend all of you for the trials and tribulations you go through. I don't know what they are. I'm sure they're greater than mine. Dude, we got a lot to be thankful for. Leo and I lapped it up at Waffle House this morning at 7.05 a.m. And he tells me, you know how much five bucks will get you in India? No, what? He said, it'll get you all your meals for the day, and it'll get you a five-star hotel room for five bucks. My tip to the waitress was more than that, because she deserved it. Dude, we got so much to be thankful for, man. We got so much. We should rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Does our relationship with God, does that ever cease? No, man, dude, that's permanent. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That relationship, eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins when you walk with him. That's when it begins. Give thanks for everything. I'm thankful for each one of you. I'm thankful that I have clothes. I'm thankful that we have plastic cups to put drinks in. I'm thankful that we have enough money to do these rip and sips. I'm thankful for Jalen doing tech this morning. I'm thankful for sunglasses. I'm thankful for my son. I'm thankful for so much. This isn't the air in my lungs. He gave me this. Dude, we have so much to be thankful for. So much. <clears throat> That's it. So we're gonna take communion now. And as we take communion... There's bowls underneath every other seat in the center aisle. So if you can reach under, pass them around, and here's what we're going to do for communion. For communion, I want to have you guys circle up in groups of two or three or three or four. Don't feel like you have to be with people you don't know, but I encourage you, turn around to the people behind you. Tap the person on the shoulder, and I want you to discuss two things. One, 
What are some of your peaks and valleys in your walk with the Lord? What's some of your peaks and valleys? What are the highs? What are the lows? Maybe they're all high. Maybe they're all low. And two, what ways has God spoken to you? Maybe you'd be like, dude, I was reading 1 Thessalonians 5 last night, sick. Or maybe you're like, none of the above, dude. D, none of the above. That's fine. Circle up in a few groups, two or three, three or four. Take communion together and then talk about those two things. What are your peaks and valleys in your walk with God? And what ways has God spoken to you? And then we'll get back together in about 10 minutes. Go.